This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. I am Chauncey. I am the new overlord of Power Athlete Radio. Carly unexpectedly lost her voice this week from yelling at all her cats. She installed me on her computer. I am a product by Skynet. You are all doomed. This week we speak with MMA fighter and friend of Power Athlete HQ, Tyler Minton. We talk all about training, cutting weight, and dealing with the personalities of the sport. Tyler is also one of the best nutrition gurus in cahoots with Power Athlete. His approach has helped athlete after athlete empower their performance while meeting weight class requirements. Listening to Tyler speak, it's evident that the mental approach to his training is as valuable if not more than the physical. His experience on The Ultimate Fighter as a former wrestler convinced him that there is nothing that he cannot physically conquer. This, of course, is coming off of many injuries including a sever fracture to his orbital among others. Tyler Minton is a busy man. In his own words, he's overworked and underfed. From cutting weight to running a gym with his wife, he has suffered from adrenal fatigue and blackouts that led him to be hospitalized. All of this in the name of sport. Learn from the successful training principles and foibles of Minton on this week's episode of Power Athlete Radio. I hope, to be on all of your computers someday, soon. Very soon. Cheerio. All chaps. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? Denny K on break. Luke here with John Fisher, who's not allowed to talk. Texas out there on the other coast and special guest Tyler Mitten with us. And this is not a joke. If it's coming from my mouth, it's true. We are the premier podcast in strength and conditioning and possibly no earth. The planet. Well, it, it's kind of like when you talk at the seminar, you speak in these definitive ends. <laughs> so well, I believe I the, the, that's just my radio voice, John. Just, <laughs> just flow. You know what? We got to get into that uh, flow zone. Text. What's it called? The uh, flow state. Uh, flow state. You got to get in the flow state where you just go, and you don't even know what you're doing. You're just talking. Words are coming out. That's just my specialty. But. Hands down, this is the premier uh, podcast for strength conditioning on the planet at this point. Well, without further ado, why don't we skip the uh, formalities? The HJs. And let's just straight up talk to Tyler. So Tyler's been out here and actually flew out to Southern California to visit with us, hang out, uh, get to know a power athlete, and uh, come train with us at 6 a.m. and get beat up a little bit. But um, we got to know a little more about Tyler. So Tyler, why don't you let our guests know what's up? Hey, guys, man, you know, it's awesome to come here. This is one of those I've actually followed uh, CrossFit football since 2009. I own a gym in uh, Northeast Tennessee, out in the middle of nowhere. 
and when we have followed you know the CrossFit football principles really since only a few months after you all started CrossFit football. So you know, for me, it was really cool to kind of come out here and then see the birthplace and, and the people behind it. It was you know kind of an honor. So mm-hmm. to work out, you know, being the weakest man in the room wasn't awesome, especially <laughs> considering the fact there was a very very small female in there. But it was <laughs> really a really awesome experience. But arguably the most dangerous man in the room. <laughs> as long as you stay out of Wellborn's thirty-eight inch reach. <laughs> Shoot under, shoot fast. That'd be that'd be, that'd be a hard man to take down <laughs> as well. So, well, I got decent balance, so and I'm used to getting hit in the face. It just uh, the only difference is um, I think like having been hit recently. I remember when I was younger and I would get hit. Like it doesn't necessarily phase you. You just kind of like just take it. And you expect it. Now I get hit and I get that like instant fucking snap of like. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to fucking sprint through this person or I'm going to throw up. Mental clarity. Yeah, like all of a sudden everything gets saying, I get this like sick feeling and it all I like fucking kind of go red. And I'm like, man, like when I played football, I would take these hits and I'd be like, like the harder I get hit, the more I relax I get. I'd be like, yeah, fucking bring that shit. And now it's like, I think I, got, I like hit my head on something and I got so fucking pissed. And I was like, what happened to me? Well, is that like intelligence with age? Like you just know you're like, you know what's coming after you get into a fucking brawl uh you know uh, uh having fought when i was younger like uh my night dude I, I don't think i ever told you the story you might have heard it on the podcast like i i was like 14 years old and i got in the ring with a uh, guy of similar size but he was older and uh, he hit me with this fucking straight left and i remember it like snapped my head so hard it uh he got me and he literally split no actually it was right here he uh he split my eye right here open and I remember he hit me and I like kind of froze his head snapped back and I got this like weird feeling. And all of a sudden my coach, the guy um, who was, you know, uh, was basically calling, you know, calling the whole deal, literally jumps on me with like a, a quarter and he like pushed a quarter real hard on my cheek. Uh, it was like fucking pushing on it. I didn't really know what he was doing. And um, he saw it open up and he like pushed on the quarter and the quarter actually ended up keeping it, uh, you know, closed and fucking I didn't start bleeding everywhere. Thank God. But I remember thinking like, I'm going to play football. <laughs> protect <laughs> yeah. protect the and, face. And like, I remember when I went out and hit, I was like, this is so much more gratifying, but um, it, it even like kind of extended all the way out. I remember uh, going into pregame and I had that same thing. Like I got to get hit hard to, to, uh, to play. And I remember when I went to Kansas city, uh, there was a dude named Eric Hicks who had a real fucking hard head. And um, I remember we were in pregame and I fucking come off with everything and I hit him and uh, I fucking gave myself a concussion. Uh, I, I like hurt myself, legitimately hurt myself. And I didn't know until like three weeks later, uh, Eric's Eric, I ended up hurting him too. And he like comes over to me, he's like, bro, can we take it easy in pregame? I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, uh, you fucking hurt me, man. He's like, for like three weeks, I was feeling fucking fucked up. So he's like, let's just like, let's, let's, let's not do this to, to each other. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, we, we don't do that. You know? Yeah. So like, I'm sure for you, you get in the ring and yeah. until you get hit, shit isn't real, real. You're like, you know, kind of going all of a sudden you get hit and you're like, it's fucking go time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of what, you know, what with you said, two 300 pound men hit each other. Nobody wins. There, there was no winner when that happens. Um, same thing in the, in, in the cage, man. It's, it's, all the time I get people saying, you must love getting hit. Well, no, who loves to get hit? It sucks. There, well, there are some is. fighters though. I mean, uh, uh, like I, you know, um, and, and I'm sure you've, you've met guys that like, it's almost like that, uh, answering of the bell a little bit. Like, yeah. the, you know, even when they go ding, 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 and you get out there, you know, like, and you guess, you know, you tap your hands, which is more of an MMA thing. Like yeah. in boxing, they don't really do that as much. Uh, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden things are like, everybody's there kind of, you know, posturing up and you're trying to like check distances and cut everybody off. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you fucking get caught with a big one and you're like, go time. all right, let's fucking go time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, Tyler, we got to spend like two and a half days, train, eat, sleep, 
well, I mean, you guys spent more time than I did with Tyler, but I mean, Tyler, you got a fascinating past. You didn't do yourself any justice. Tell us, you know, so you fight, you run a gym, uh, you work on, I mean, you're working with plenty of guys from the UFC within nutrition. So what do you do? I mean, well, let's, uh, I actually, let's start. I, I, um, I'm sure the people would dig, you were on the, the ultimate fighter. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about like, uh, how you got on the ultimate fighter and how that went down and kind of like what happened there. And, and then we'll kind of get into the other stuff. Yeah. So it was, you know, I've been a professional fighter for years now. And, and the, the whole goal is, is, you know, to make it to the, to the top or tier, you know, the higher tiers, top tiers, um, just kind of grinding my way through its time. I guess I was uh, five and one, um, you know, actually in, in the middle of a prep cut to 155 pounds to see if I can make 155. And I'm, I walk at about 195, 200 pounds. Um, but I'm also the, the world's best uh, weight cut expert. So um, <laughs> I knew I could do it. So um, I wasn't worried. Well, then I get a call from uh, the UFC's The Ultimate Fighter asking if I would be interested in, in coming on board and actually um, competing at the 185, the middleweight Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, wasn't really sure where I was at, hopped on the scale barrel, depending on the time of the day, I was floating anywhere from 179 to 182, uh, knowing that I was about to, to go in there and fight a bunch of guys who, you know, 215 by the time they get in, but it's, you know, yeah, well, let's do it. You know, why not? It's, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity. Surely they don't hit that much harder. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, went through the whole process, made it, you know, flying colors, awesome time uh, where I was the light guy going in, I actually got to help all the guys, uh, cut weight to kind of get there for the, for the first fights. And, um, so that was pretty neat, you know, getting to, getting to establishing the fact, Hey, you know, this is what I do. I'm, I'm a weight cut guy. I actually do, uh, you know, a lot of this four fighters. Um, so I met some guys over there that I've, I've since worked with, um, you know, there was this one big guy in ticker walking about 220 pounds. Um, I, I had to help a lot. He was having a real hard time making weight. Well, then we find out that we're fighting, uh, you know, it was a really odd experience because this guy that was, you know, uh, half near crying in the in the sauna was now like the baddest man on planet, you know, face to face with me. So it was a really interesting experience. But, you know, we go out there, fight. Um, you know, the, the game plan was to uh, to use what I could with him, knowing I'm a wrestler. Um, you know, wrestling is one of those things. If you do it right, you know, even if you're the smaller guy, you know, it takes a lot out of you. But, you know, if you do it right, you're going to get there. And we went in round one. I think I had like seven, eight takedowns. Uh, you know, won the round 10-8, did some, some really cool things. Um, uh, there's this move called a Peterson roll where you actually grab the guy's arm around your waist and do a roll and actually did a standing Peterson. So pretty much grab a guy's arm around your waist and do a front flip and they just go with you. Uh, <laughs> so did a lot of cool things. Um, that's the very beginning of round two. I call a very good shot to the face that completely crushed my orbital. Um, I've, I've got like slowly deteriorating eyesight from it. Actually, I had 2015 vision. It constantly gets worse, but uh, crushed my orbital, real bad concussion, had some uh, actual slot brain damage as a result. But uh, we keep fighting, you know, lots of blows. Like I can literally, and this is what we're talking about with, with getting hit. You people don't really, you, you don't ever anticipate that one punch when you feel your face cave in. And then that spot keeps getting hit. I'm, I'm out. Um, that sounds and, and fucking it's, awful. It's weird. And, and, and to some, it is, it's very much like, all right, I'm done. And to me, it was very much a, you kind of go into a, it's a, the fight or flight, you go into a survival mode. Mm -hmm. And for me, I knew instantly, it's like, well, you know, this guy could kill me, so I better do something. Uh, so I just keep swinging. Can't see anything. Blood in my one good eye. My other eye is completely swollen shut. With a, what eye was this? Did, did he hit? 
Excuse me. Uh, what I did this was Lida. So, so you're so Lida. No, so you're I'm, uh, so I'm an Orthodox fighter. So it was my my, my left eye, my front eye, um, and then blood going into my right. Not much to do, but I knew that if I wasn't fighting, that that I was going to lose. So I just started swinging everything, throwing weird elbows, everything. I, I knew when he touched me, this was this was this was my my game plan in my own head. Um, I knew that when he touched me, that meant he was within arm's reach. So I waited for him. He would hit me, then I would throw punches because I knew if he hit me, I could I could hit him. For for anybody here that's ever been in this situation, if uh, you know most most guys fight with kind of a bladed stance where you obviously um, you stagger and you kind of put your one shoulder forward, and the idea is that you reduce surface area, like you never square up to your opponent, so you kind of blade, and it kind of allows you to kind of cover distances and do some things. And the problem is if your fucking front eye gets knocked out and you can't see what you end up having to do is square your face up and square up your shoulders. So you have to use your opposite eye, which basically increases surface area, which means that you're going to take a fucking hammer's beating. It's why Rocky switch things. Yes, exactly. It's it's hard to switch things. That's why why, why you tell them uh, to to fight conventional weapon southpaw. Exactly. For those of you guys that are Rocky fans. Uh, If you're not... Probably. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably if you're a Rocky fan you're, or not a Rocky fan, you're probably not listening to this podcast yeah. right now. Just, you know, that was a documentary. That wasn't a movie. That was, that was a documentary. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, not a lifetime. But that was a great documentary. But uh, so you, the guy ends up, uh, so, you know, breaking your orbitals. Yeah, so you have to fight. So, 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 so you're measuring distance with your face. I'm, I'm measuring distance with my face. Um, and that was literally, I mean, at the time, it seemed like the best thing to do. You know, and it, it went on and the fight kept going on. And uh, Herb Dean, Dean ended up stopping it, and we talked to him later, talked to Dana White, and Dana White was just, he couldn't believe that, that I could take that much damage. And then after we got to talking for a little bit and talking about the other things that I do, and uh, he said, you're way too intelligent to be that tough. Um, I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, most people with really, you know, like that, they're really, really smart, don't use their brain, you know, to get hit. <laughs> I just kind of laughed. But Herb Dean's big thing, he said he knew that I wasn't going to go down, and when they actually stopped the fight, I was standing um, I, I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to fall. Like there was, there was no physical way this guy was going to knock me to the ground. Um, I never heard Dean saying it's like I, I was really afraid that if I didn't stop it, it was going to go to the the final round because you know you all had tied 10-8, 10-8. Um, it was going to go to a round three, but the doctor wasn't going to let you because you were literally blind. Um, he said so. It was up to me to to risk your life in those final seconds. He said, yeah. I, I knew at any moment if you took one bad, you know, one bad shot, it could, it could permanently mess. And it did. It, it, I've still got permanent damage from it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Cause you learn, you learn a lot about yourself in those, you know, I learned a lot about how much I can take. And, you know, I, to this day, yeah, there's, there's really nothing that I think will ever, ever, physically beat me down I, i'm convinced that you can't stop me from something so now uh this story we were wrapping a little bit in the car right over about the you know the underlying theme which you've seen time and time time again sounds like a bomb about to go off uh this uh no de- no good details Here, start, from, uh, start from wrapping on the way over oh yeah so we we're driving on the way over and um talking a little bit about one of the underlying themes which we've seen happen so much in just really life recently, it's this whole no good deed goes unpunished where, you know, you come out and you do somebody a solid and then you end up fucking taking the hammer fist to the face for it. And, you know, we've seen it for years, you know, and, you know, working in the CrossFit gym, dealing with clients, dealing with employees and people that, you know, you do somebody, you go out of your way and then it ends up coming back to bite you. In essence, you working with that dude and really like being the being like a solid bro and like a solid good guy to like go in and, and help somebody in their weakest moment. 
And then all of a sudden they pit you guys and the dude is just like, fuck this guy at that point. You're like, I shouldn't help that dude cut weight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, and I, and I, you have those thoughts and stuff, but the, at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, it, to me, you know, well, I mean, but aren't there guys in the ultimate fighter that are basically don't like do anything for anybody. And they just kind of like F everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There, there really are. And it's a, it's a weird thing, man. You get, you get such a, a wide variety of people. Um, you get people who, who, are the entertainers you get people who, who you know couldn't entertain anybody but they they, they love the thought um you know and it's they, they try to put all these people together and it does it, it gets a lot of uh you get a lot of weird emotions and, and drama and stuff and this the show's kind of you know, i want to say it's kind of jumped the shark just because you know they've seen everything by now you know people are kind of tired of seeing the you know the stupid muscle heads that you know the, the gym bros or the that just get fucking hammered yeah and then that, and that's the thing the uh the only question I, I always had when i watched it um do they provide your guys meals yeah you actually put in a grocery list and, and but, but then you kind of have to cook your own stuff yeah because like uh, the thing i was always tripped about like some guys kind of cooked and then and it was it was this kind of weird deal i'm like First of all, uh, like, how do you necessarily like organize meals with that many people in there? And then I was like, wait a minute, what if somebody like you cook your food, some dude fucking snakes it, then you basically swearing off in the kitchen against somebody like, don't see my fucking food. And that's, <laughs> happened. That, that, that's happened. There was uh, there was an episode once where a guy, um, um, I guess he, he, you know, he, he did some things to another fighter's food, um, <laughs> far beyond what you could imagine. Salad. Um, yeah, far what, beyond what, what you could do. You do? Fruit salad, right? What do you yeah, do? he uh, he <laughs> he pissed in it. Or he pissed, pissed in it. Well, he he did that, and then in return, dude, dude peed in his uh, sushi or something. Like he yeah. he topped dude sushi, and then so the dude like like pissed in his fruit salad. Uh, and it's like that's weird. Yeah, it's like, come on, guys. It's like, who are you? Well, but I mean, like the thing is, and I I, I think people forget like um, when people become really really good at like one thing. Uh, very few people will become, you know, good at everything. And it's like when you become a specialist, you specialize in one thing. And if your whole life is dedicated towards this idea to say, I'm going to be the best as I can at, at you know, in this octagon, uh, they sometimes forget to develop other social skills, social skills or personality traits. And what's interesting is society lets people slide on that shit. If you're great at stuff, it's kind of like, uh, you know, things that normally, and I, and we saw this, I mean, shit all the time in the NFL were like normally things that would, uh, you know, people would be like, Hey, go fuck yourself. Or more importantly, you're going to jail or have problems. People eventually let you slide because you have this incredible talent or their skill. And because, and, you know, they make you start quarterback. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah. yeah same, <laughs> same type of deal. And I, and I, uh, it was something I always kind of fought against. And I, I never really liked the, this idea that, uh, you know, because you can do this one thing, you don't have to develop other areas. And I always used to talk to guys about this idea of being kind of a renaissance man. Like, uh, I, you know, having you know, been a classics major, it was uh, this idea of being, you know, you should be, you know, an athlete, a, a fighter, you should be a, a poet and a reader and a scholar. You know, you kind of looked at all these different things whenever people ask me, like, man, you have a pretty, pretty diverse interest list. I'm like, well, yeah, it was in, it was, um, it was by effort. I mean, really, like to go out and try to do more and more things and have varied efforts. Because, dude, if, if all you do in your whole life is like, hey, I just get up in the gym, I eat breakfast, I go do this and this. At the end of the day, like five, ten years later, you've developed no social skills. You've read no books. You've communicated in no way. And like you're kind of one dimensional. And 
I'm sure you've hung out with people like that where you're like, yeah. oh god, yeah, and it, it's, it's like shut the fuck up. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, a lot in the fat world, and it, it goes along with what we're saying too. You know, like when you help some out, a lot of times it comes back and, and you know bites you. And, and and I said, you know, I feel like the main reason behind that is you've struggled to get there. Like you you worked your butt off. You 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 made all the mistakes. You you've suffered to get there. And then sometimes when you help people, you know, jump the bridge that that you had to cross. They don't know what was that, what that was like, you know. Like they can't, they can't, you know, they can't feel that. They don't, they don't know what all you went through. Uh, so a lot of times they, they already have this this high and mighty attitude because they weren't beat down on the way there, um, you know. And I've seen that that a lot too. You go to help someone out and they it bites you in the butt. When in, in reality, you should have just let them suffer like you did. So you end up getting uh, knocked out in the Ultimate Fighter. I didn't get knocked out. Well, I'm sorry. Watch your tongue. He stopped. He stopped the fight. Yeah, and then, yeah. so, so then you were done. How late in the season was that? That was like right at the beginning. Okay, right so, at the beginning. Yeah. So, so, so that was at the beginning. So, yeah. so you really didn't get a chance to, to really show what you're worth. Yeah, yeah. That. But I mean, like I said, it, it led to a lot of uh, really good stuff. Learned a lot about myself. Um, had to take some time off. You know, because number one, it's a while before I could see. Yeah, so, so operations. Um, yeah, it was it was a mess. Went from never you know perfect eyesight to then I had to go get glasses. Um, you know, so it was it was a mess. But uh, you know, and during that time, it, it allowed me to kind of sharpen other things. And then um, you know, I learned a lot. Like I said I'm what well, we had, we had hinted at earlier. As I said I was the world's best weight cut guy. And I, I really am. Well, okay, well, let's get into that. So, so how did you? Uh, you know, like, I mean, and, and from everything, like, if you guys want to, you know, do some searching and some Googling on Tyler, I mean, he did believe me, he, uh, he's the best in the game in terms of getting guys ready to make weight, fight prep, nutrition and diet, to, you know, to get these fighters involved. Like, how did you kind of go down in that path? Was it something you tested on yourself and you figure out what worked? Or is it something that you kind of learn? Like, how did you cultivate this? Yeah, well, this part, I don't even, you know, I didn't get to even tell you this full story. So it's become kind of the first time, first time a lot of people heard it. Um, I actually had some really bad weight cuts early on in my career. <laughs> I fought I fought at the beginning of MMA when it became like more of a mainstream thing. Uh, you would weigh in, they would pick who you would fight based on. They would literally, I remember it was like a, a yellow legal pad. Like, all right, this guy is 170, this other guy's 170. Hey, you two are fighting. Hmm. You would show up, they'd get you matched, and you might fight 30 minutes later, you might fight two hours later, but no matter what, you were fighting soon after. So I would cut from 200 to 170 pounds in a week. Um, just the all broccoli diet it was, it was great. I'm, I'm writing a book. Um, the all broccoli diet. Mm. Um, and then cut 30 pounds in a week. And then you go out there and fight. I remember my first ever fight, my, my first fight in the MMA. Um, I won in seven seconds. Dude, we later found out, dude lost a bet with his fraternity and he had to fight. So he, he jumps in and goes to, uh, to, to tackle me at the exact same time that I'm going for guillotines. And when he comes in, my wrestling mindset says sprawl. So I guillotine this guy and sprawl, and it ends up just sticking his face right in the ground and just knocking him silly. Um, thought I broke the dude's neck. But anyway, so I stand up, and the referee grabs my arm to lift me, to, to lift my arm up, and I, I fall, and he has to hold me up because I, I have no energy. I just cut 30 pounds. <laughs> uh, so then I do that again. My next fight was 42 seconds. Then my third fight um, was the first time. There was 24-hour weigh-ins again, horrible weight cut. But I just thought that was the norm. You know, I was a wrestler, and, and wrestlers cut weight bad. It's it's part of it. You have to suffer to cut weight. That was the thing. Um, you know, there was this misconception. You had to fight the lowest weight class you could possibly suffer to get to. You needed to, to almost die. And, and the, the lowest weight class you can get to without actually dying is where you should be. 
Um, and we just thought that was a badge of honor is, is how that's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, I went pro, experimented some at 185. I'm just way too small for 185. Most of those guys are six foot two, 215, 220 pounds. Uh, new 170 is where I needed to be, if not 155. Well, then the, the ultimate fighter actually calls me for a fight at 170, but shortly before that, I had opened up my own gym. So I had opened up my own gym. I was uh, crossfitting two times a day, uh, six days a week. I was having one off day. Uh, I was following a strict paleo zone diet. Um, you know, and those of you who know what's up, you know that I'm about to die. Yeah, um, been there. <laughs> doing all these things, you know, training MMA full time. On top of that, I'm running a gym. Me and my wife opened up a business the three days before we got married. So then I'm, I'm a newly married business owner, professional fighter that's underfed, overstressed, and overworked. Um, sleeping two, three hours a night, but you know, I didn't need it because I had 20 cups of coffee a day. Um, <laughs> just doing everything right. <laughs> um, so then uh, uh, the UFC actually calls me about uh, fighting on the Ultimate Fighter. Well, at this time, when I got the call, I had just left the doctor's office, the doctor telling me, you know, like, hey, you're you're about to go into adrenal failure. Like you're in adrenal fatigue. Your kidneys are about to fail. Like you got to get some things done now. I actually suggested I, I take time off of everything. You need to sleep. You need to quit working out. You need to quit doing this, that, the other. I'm like, oh yeah, well that's fine. I'm tough. I'm a fighter. I can. I'll make it. Um, so I end up. I, I make weight. I go in and make weight, and then the weirdest thing happens. I wake up and there's paramedics all around me. No idea what happened. Uh, I blacked out. Um, well, then this goes on for hours and hours and, and come to find out I was actually, I later admitted, I didn't tell the time I was in the hotel room cutting weight. Um, I kept blacking out, I was cutting weight in a bathtub and I kept blacking out in the bathtub and waking up and looking at my watch. My God, it was 30 minutes. Um, this kept happening, kept on, kept on. I remember being in a hotel room in Las Vegas, writing a letter to my wife, uh, to give to the producers, like telling her, like, I knew I was about to die. Like I, I so when people say that they have that moment when, when they see death, I, I, it sounds really weird and and, and mystic, but I, you know I was there. I was uh, I was putting drops of water down into my eye just so I could see because my eyes were so dry. I was just like swashing water in my mouth and spitting so I could talk because my mouth was so dry I couldn't put words together. Um, so I'm writing a letter to my wife, like you know, telling her I love her and stuff because I'm not going to see her. It's the dumbest thing on earth. Um, and, and, and one shouldn't have to go through all that. But again, man, it, it's a regular part of fighting. It really is. And you're starting to see that a lot in the UFC. So I had, you know, fairly, fairly, or about a year before that, I actually went to a CrossFit Nutrition Center um, with Raw Wolf, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, it, it was a great, great process. Uh, learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, uh, learned a lot. You know, learned about, you know, a lot about what he said. Um, but you know, I missed the finer points. Um, so I actually contact Rob. I email him and, and he was, you know, nice enough to respond. He responded in a very cold, very, very no detail response. Um, and I knew in his head, he's thinking, oh, this is just some, some nobody kid who just wants to, uh, you know, take my knowledge and use it. And he's not going to listen. So I keep emailing him and literally harass this guy. Um, and it's like, I harassed him until he re refused to not actually talk to me. Um, so he actually starts working with me and we become friends and, um, you know, all the things I was doing wrong. I was, I was a very strict paleo dieter, you know, paleo diet person. 
Um, but I was not living a paleo lifestyle, obviously. You know, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't going to bed at dark and sleeping till daylight. I wasn't you wearing a loincloth. Yeah, I wasn't you know, running through the Serengeti <laughs> yeah. with like a spear looking for an animal. But I was I wasn't doing any of that. Um, but I wasn't doing anything right, you know, and that's what he, he was like, man, you know, he, he insulted me several times, uh, you know, a lot. You know, Rob's got an interesting way of insulting But it's like tactful. Well, he's so, he's no, so it's, it, it, it's really uh, cerebral. So, like, he'll, like, uh, say something, and you'll be like, oh, and then, like, uh, two days later, I'm like, I think he landed a blow on me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really smart. He, he, uh, he, he just fucking pulled it recently on me where, uh, uh, so, like, I, you know, when I got out of the NFL, I, I, you know, obviously, like, Tyler had taken a lot of shots to the head, and I remember, uh, like, talking with Rob actually a couple weeks ago, and he's like, yeah, it was like that period when uh, you were all fucked up. I'm like, what do you mean I was all fucked up? He's like, well, like, I didn't want to tell you, but you know, like you would like, we would talk on the phone and we rap about something. And like, you know, you, like we would have like a discussion and then like a couple hours later you would call me and we would have the exact same discussion. And I was right here. We did. And he's like, and it kind of started happening kind of, you know, often and I got like a little nervous, like, Oh my, my good friend, John, he's fucking brains fucked up. Like he's memory's gone. He's all fucked up. And, uh, and then he's like, but then, uh, you know, we did, the, you know, like you went through the whole ketogenic thing. We started working and he goes, and it doesn't happen anymore, which actually is nice. But um, there was part where I was pretty nervous. You know, I'm like, so I was repeating stories. You didn't tell me. He's like, well, I didn't have a heart to tell you. I said, like, hey, fuck you. I was like, you know what? I hope you see. I hope I drive by and your car's broken down. Cause I'm going to drive by and throw something at you. Like a fucking <laughs> Slurpee. But uh, like, like, you know, like Rob's, uh, Rob's got a real cerebral way of landing blows and like in kind of a, a almost like a like a heartfelt way. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, um, Tyler, you're really an annoying idiot, but, uh, you know, I'm gonna help you anyway, because I'm so sorry for you. Yeah. You're like, thanks, I think. I think. Yeah, no, so, right, yeah, 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 no. So he, he kept helping me. And, and, and you know, we, we just kept in contact and started working. And, you know, he was, you know, really impressed that, you know, how well I learned and how much time I put towards it. Um, you know, I began every hour that I had available, I was studying this, um, and not just studying nutrition, actually, I studied nutrition in college. Um, and that's what led me to where I was. Um, you know, and I had, I, I lived the, the, the hardcore CrossFit life and the hardcore paleo life. And again, those are, you know, those are what about killed me. Um, so I began studying the actual, you know, the actual human body and, and studying these, studying the, the, all the, all the things piece by piece, instead of studying what the government says, this is what's good for your body. You know, but then if we break it down and we study the body, then we study actual food, don't study nutrition, study food and how food works and what it does when it's in there and start to reverse engineer things. And then you put it together, you come up with a completely different solution than uh, what the, the nutrition industry came up with. Um, you know, and so I started putting these practices in my own life. Um, eating 300, I had a guy that was a strict paleo diet guy. Um, dieter, I guess, is the way to so what, what do you call those? A paleo dieter? You're just a paleo, paleo, paleo you you're just capital P paleo because we, we have capital P and little P. So we yeah. always ask people, like, I'm paleo. I'm like, are you capital P or little P? It's capital like the Royal P. Capital P, Royal capital P is like, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't believe that these were 10,000 years yeah, old. Yeah, I was that one that judged you. Like, if yeah, you're, and then you're like, oh, ice cream. Yeah, no, I hate those people. Like <laughs> oh, you put salt on there? Mm, can't have any yeah. salt because they, you know, uh, Paleo Man would have never cultivated salt, which was Cordain's claim, which I never fucking believed. Yeah. Like, you know, 
Yeah, I, don't know, I, if, I, I never bought. They that. did have hot sauce. If I that's what I'm saying. Right? If, if no, they no, had they Lula, if Lula was around, you can't tell me they wouldn't have drank. Well, I, I mean, think, the thing about this, uh, the thought, like um, you know, you, you look at all these primitive hunting and this. I mean, the fact that salt uh, cures meat, like that, would have been yes. one of like uh, you know, however, like uh, there, there was a story. I think it was about the. Uh, um, Genghis Khan and his guys, what they would do is they would go slaughter an animal, take a big side of beef, and then they would throw it on the back of, the, of their horses, and then they would put a towel or a blanket over it, and then they would ride and you know ride these plains-type riders, uh, like the best horse warriors in, in history, and the salt from the horses would come through, and that would cure the meat, and then they would just pull up the blanket, cut off a piece, and eat it. Those, those fuckers' immune systems were probably like yeah. superhuman to be able to handle that. I mean, we'd probably kill us, but um, like that type of salt. So, like the thought that there was like an ocean and they were probably near an ocean, that, so they fished, and then they'll think that they wouldn't have like cultivated salt in yeah. some way. I just never really bought that, actually. Um, and I remember when Cordain and I presented together, he brought that up and like, oh, that pilot man would have never eaten any salt. I remember being like, if I buy that one, that one's tough to make. So, I mean, especially if you look at like some like the Messiah and these others that actually, you know, drink a porridge of blood and, you know, the salt content's a little, you know, obviously higher in blood, but that's not here. That's yeah, how you translate it. Right? But, um, the, uh, yeah, so we just kind of, we, we kind of dove in and now sort of applying all these, uh, these new principles and, you know, still staying away from, you know, super you know inflammatory foods, but introducing lot rice, um, you know, uh, uh, sweet potatoes, you know, unreal. Uh, um, yeah, shocker, right? Shocker. Um, and everything started getting better. Um, wow, so you're doing a heavy, hard, glycolytic style of training, and you added some carbs and back you in. added and carbs. Thing you fucking know. It's yeah. almost like this shit works. When, when, when you finally understand that an athlete shouldn't eat like an Olsen twin, uh, <laughs> things, things start to, start to you become a, a real athlete. And that was well, the, the Olsen twins survive on a diet of uh, uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and cigarettes and cocaine. So... Uh, <laughs> That's also known as the supermodel diet. The supermodel diet. I think there's a book on that. It's called the supermodel. They're great diet. fighters too. They are. Well, yeah. <laughs> Who was that? That was God. Oh, is that? God? <laughs> I, I got no snare in my headphone. I got no snare in my headphone. <laughs> I can't no, hear the snare. <laughs> but no, then you know, I just started applying these things in my own, and everything got easier, man. I mean, we. I just started. I started sleeping better. I started recovering. I leaned up. I immediately lost ten pounds. Like. Well, how does that happen? I just added 300 grams of carbs into my day and I just lost 10 pounds. What in the world? Um, everything started getting better. Well, then I, I started making just huge weight cuts, 200 to 170, you know, eating the day of, of weigh-ins, which, you know, previously guys would take days, literally, and they still do, several days where they don't eat. You know, I've seen guys go two, three days without water, which is just absolutely silly. Um, you know, it's it, it, if Bear Grylls wouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it as a professional athlete. Would, um, is this something because, um, um, you know, obviously weight cuts are, uh, you know, when people hear weight cut, more, most of the time they think like the father, they think MMA, but for the most part, uh, guys in boxing don't really do weight cuts. You like, like if you're a, you know, a 170 guy, you're probably going to fight pretty close to your weight. So, I mean, I know like boxers don't really do huge weight cuts, but, um, MMA world has huge weight cuts. The other uh, sport that has gained notoriety recently, uh, which had kind of fallen off, and I think like with the resurgence of raw powerlifting, now you're seeing guys like get in and you know, hey, I I want to you know, uh, I'm walking at 300, but I'm going to cut to 275 so I can do this. 
And, um, you know, I mean, we've seen some guys have some pretty horrific stuff. I mean, then, you know, guys really struggle with this. So, I mean, that might be, um, you know, as we kind of get into this stuff a little bit more, that might be another market where you'd be able to basically yeah. be able to go in and work with, you know, power lifters or different, you know, Olympic lifters or other athletes that might need to do a weight cut to make a specific. Oh, yeah. And those, those weight cuts are, are so easy. They really are, especially, when, you know, compared starting with the sport that has the worst weight cuts in the world. And uh, fine-tuning it to a, to a fine art, the, the rest of it has become super easy. I work with a lot of high school wrestlers and people who actually do like 24-hour weigh-ins, and it's changed the way they work. Uh, you know, I've worked with some power lifters, some Olympic lifters. But, uh, you know, and then I started applying these principles, and it was it was miraculous, the difference people were seeing in me. Then I started helping some friends, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Some of my UFC friends, one of my buddies who used to fight at 205 and 185, um, the UFC, Zach Cummings, the UFC calls him to fight at 170 for his first time ever. He's not, never fought at 170. And we make the weight cut, and, and people see him walking through the halls, like eating and drinking coffee the morning of weigh ins. And, you know, even the UFC staff, like, really worried. Like, What's your weight? Because I'm, I'm under. Like, I'm, I woke up a little bit under. I feel great. Couldn't believe it. Um, he goes out there with a big win. Then I pick up a couple other guys, James Krause, Tim Elliott. Um, James Krause, the guy who walks about 190, 195 pounds, has a six pack, six foot two, fights at 155. Um, you know, James has, starts having some really big weight cuts. He ate before he'd had some, uh, some really rough weight cuts. He was one of those guys who just didn't eat, just starved himself. Um, he goes out there, he's eating great, you know, eating more the week of than previously he was during the entire camps. Like three weeks out, he, this guy was cutting his calories out of 1,000, you know, 1,000 calories, and we had to eat more than that the week of sometimes. Um, he, you know, he's just having these super easy weight cuts, Tim Elliott, same thing. And it just branches out. I keep dealing with these guys, um, you know, and, and just that notoriety that I was getting just started gaining more and more attention. I started getting guys that actually had previously worked with other, other guys in the industry and, um, had just noticed such a difference. They, they felt when they worked with me and, and, you know, the, the differences the before and afters, if you look at how they looked before they worked with me and how they do afterwards, it's, it was, uh, you know, just miraculous. And it just kind of snowballed from there. It's been a, it's uh, been amazing how fast, uh, you know, it's grown from a guy who, who learned, again, we say, you know, you got to take those bumps on the head to really learn. And if you don't take those bumps, in my opinion, you'll, you'll never be really, truly good. Um, you know, at, at my own gym, I say a lot of times you, you show me a guy who won't take extra steps. I'll show you a guy who won't go very far. Um, and that's, 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 well, that's exactly it. I mean, dude, you proved it. I mean, we always, you know, for years in this podcast, I always talk about if you want to, you know, go learn something, you want to get knowledge, you want to, you know, improve yourself. You might have to get out of your basement or get out of your garage and come visit some people and travel yeah. and like go meet some stuff. I mean, Tyler and I had been kind of recently talking and, uh, next thing he goes, Hey, I want to come visit. And he jumped on a plane and flew out here and he's been hanging out with us for the last couple of days and training and really kind of sharing some great ideas. And I, uh, I mean, to me, like that's the mark of, you know, like when somebody puts himself out, like a young Luke Summers, just bright eyed, bushy tailed, ready to come out and take on the world. You know, that's callous now, John. Broken down, you know, texting those guys in the same right, too. I mean, I was telling Tyler the uh, the the Philadelphia uh, interning of Texan Cali story. And I, I couldn't even fucking tell it because I was laughing too hard. How you guys thought that we were trying to punk you for the whole weekend? Little did you know, I just drive fast and we were supposed to take Uncle Dave on a cheesesteak adventure. Yeah, probably now in hindsight, Tex, doesn't it seem just like a standard circuit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Well, like, what, 
so like when, when that I, I always wanted to ask like what was going through your head like was Callie like are these guys fucking with us like what like what's going on here like they're fucking guys driving 100 miles an hour down fucking residential streets Zach, before you go I'm going to give like the 30 second version of the what happened you know it's in previous podcasts yeah. uh we had a cert in Philly yeah. and Dex and Callie drove out. It was their like their eight mile moment, their time to shine. They were going to assist in coaching and we were going to grade them and they were going to come meet us and yeah. And determine if they were going to be uh, candidates for future staff and like outside of staff, like endeavors outside of crossing football. And uh, it, it was my first time in Philly and I like to eat and I want to eat three Philly cheesesteaks. And John's like, I got three places. It's going to be a lot of driving. Having lived in Philadelphia uh, for a number of years, um, you know, and working in South Philly, living downtown, like I knew the city, like, man, I was plugged in mm-hmm. on the heartbeats of that place. And so like wherever you wanted to go in Philly, like, you know, whether it was gyms, I mean, Nick's roast beef, I mean, any, you know, Tony Luke's, all these different spots. And so uncle Dave had come up from, uh, from Virginia or, down from Virginia Beach, or up where I forgot where it is. Over, over. Yeah, <laughs> Just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He showed up <laughs> from Virginia Beach, so he's in town, and like Luke and him are like, "Man, let's let's get some cheese let's steaks. get some fucking cheesesteaks." And so there's another thing, and those of you guys that might have been to South Philly or it might be in South Philly, there's one thing you don't do in South Philly: it's drive fucking slow because like police or stop signs mm-hmm. really is an acronym for slow to observe police or poor pedestrians. <laughs> so so you just slow to observe pedestrians. So like in South Philly, and here's a crazy thing, people park in the middle of the road. People, like, people park everywhere. Like there's really no street law uh, other than like the, uh, you know, fucking Aleister Crowley, uh, you know, do as thou will driving law in South Philly. So like we like are Tony Luke's. I'm like, hey guys, follow me. Little did I know the text drives like a 87 year old woman Cali cataracts. Cali yeah, oh, Cal- we had to on the highway exchange seats and she took over and then we caught y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we like get in and I'm like, Hey, follow me. As I'm like fucking yeah. roasting the tires. John's got like a, a fucking the, like the, the supercharged crown Vic. Yes. yes. Got like- well, that's, that's my preferred car in South Philly is uh, whatever the top car is. And uh, I, I have a deal whenever we go rent, preferably I like to get a cop car. And uh, it just solves a lot less or more problems than it brings, I guess you could say. And so I get in and I'm just fucking lighting up the tires as I four wheel slide and shoot down two street, bam, and take off. And these guys are like, "Eh," and they're like, "Eh." so we get up and we get to the first place and I order up. I'm like, hey, we're going to want like this, this and this. I order like six sandwiches. I'm like, don't worry, guys, I got this. And they're like. These sandwiches come out, and there's like bread and cheese and all this crap. Like, Very unpaleo. Yeah, like, like, you would not no, like that's, that's what I thought it was a test. And it wasn't even cheese. It, no, it was with cheese. It was like artificially cheese. What Matt Lalonde considers one of the like what the most poisonous things you could consider. Oh, pretty much that and Kool Aid. <laughs> like like a diet of cheese whiz and Kool Aid would be like the epitome of Lalonde's like worst nightmare. So uh, we get into this whole situation. Uh, Fucking sandwich them up. Like these guys are like looking at us, like thinking that we're like these cross of football monks. They eat just like, you know, 14 almonds and this like, oh, they didn't eat. So, you know, we're like, fuck it, let's eat these few steaks. So we, we pound these things and like, oh, it's pretty good. And I'm like, let's go to the next one. So we jump in the car and we light up to the next place. Uh, we went from Tony Luke's. I think we went to uh, Gino's or Pat's. And I made a good Pat's and a Gino's. And then we went to one other place. I think it was Jim's or, or, or Nick's roast beef. And so we, uh, get like more sandwiches. And at this point they're like, these guys have to be fucking with us. Like there's no fucking way that these guys are eating three cheesesteaks and Luke's just over there. Just like <laughs> opening, like Luke and unhinge his jaw and like swallow it like a snake. Well, uh, we got our genetic testing done and uh, there's an FTO gene, which is basically the, uh, the fat gene is what they call it. And what it means is there's a certain genetic type that has, 
Um, adrenaline doesn't signal the same way. Like most people eat and they get full and they stop eating. And uh, there's certain people that have FTO gene that don't get the right signaling. Luke's Never been one full. Of these people. So Never. his signaling just is like eat more. So uh, Luke is probably one of the most impressive eaters. And I've been around some fucking serious eaters. This dude can fucking eat. And he literally just unhinged his jaw, swallowed the thing. Like, um, it, it always like reminds me of like the mask with Jim Carrey where he like opens his mouth and swallows the bomb <laughs> and it blows up. He goes, spicy. Yeah. Or like a it, pelican. Like when a pelican gets like a big old fish and just, yeah. yeah. That so one. we go that, we get another one and then we light up to the third place. And at this point, like I think Cax, or, uh, Tex and Callie are ready to leave. And Callie's fucking beyond because one, I'm driving 100 miles an hour down residential streets and eating cheesesteak. So, and uh, they didn't really tell us that until later on. They were like, we thought you guys were punking us. Completely. And so, we parked illegally, so we're risking it all. That was our eight-mile moment. Yeah. But, I mean, Tex, if that were to happen again, isn't it just another fucking Saturday? Uh, absolutely. So <laughs> Luke and I have done this test with other guys that apply to interns, and then we never hear back from that. Yeah. So, well, the, the uh, we have a couple rules on um, potential interns. One, uh, if somebody on the seminar staff offers you a beer or a drink and you say no, you instantly are DQ'd. Or you better have a good reason. Or you better have a good reason. Like, I just got off a fucking seven-day bender because we always have this deal where, like, if you're not good enough to sit and have a beer or a drink with, like, your coworkers, then you probably aren't going to be a very good, fun travel partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, I mean, like, we always end up with some cool stuff like uh, – you know, Luke and I were supposed to go to Oktoberfest, and then Luke uh, got his passport stolen. <laughs> Just on because you're way fucking, to fucking oh, the airport, you whip around like you're fucking Luke Duke or Bo Duke, and the Dukes of Hazards. It's like, slow down. Just take a take a breath. Let me get my stuff. You don't have time for your stuff. That's my passport. As I remember, is. We were late to get there because you were over there packing fucking willy nilly. Late t-shirts. to get there. Hang on. Listen. Mr. Punctuality. All right. I'm sitting here waiting for a fucking pickup. And you're like, I get a text like, I'm coming in hot. I can't stop. So I got to get everything in my arm. I jump in the back of the truck. So so Luke gets his backpack. He like somehow takes his backpack out of the car. We drive away to the gas station, realize it, make a U-turn. And some dude snatches his backpack, which has his passport, a Compex, and his notebook, which has like all of the secrets of CrossFit football and power athlete in it. And uh, like 180 pages of just just yeah just, deep thoughts by John Walborn. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, so when Luke first came on, uh, he shows up, um, and like three days later, my wife had the twins. So like the only way that I, we could prep any of this stuff is he'd have to show up at my house at like nine or ten o'clock, and like I'm like come to the door with like kids, and I'm like like holding my daughters, we're basically I'm, I'm talking to him about all this stuff, and just over there writing, and it would be from like ten to one a.m. and we just worked on this stuff, but uh, so. We go and he loses his backpack and like we're like fuck what do we do? Call Tex. Tex, can you be on a plane in two hours to Munich or uh, Nuremberg, Germany? Tex is like I'm in. I'll be there. Let's go. <laughs> and Tex and I had a great adventure at Oktoberfest. I don't know. It sounded boring to me compared to uh, me and Tex's adventure. Yeah, I, I don't know, Tex. Uh, all I know is Which they is both, they, they, they they both ended right? up at the same way where we both passed out and did catch the train and had to both take a taxi home. Yeah. Yeah. Great time. Right. Great time. Well, let's, let's circle back here. Tex. I, I, yeah, I got a good question. Um, so just talking about working with fighters, I've worked with a few boxers and they are tough athletes to break. Can you talk about the fine line between making weight and performance? I know you can't, you can't fight without making weight. And some of the stories you talked about, those experiences definitely would hurt your performance. So how do you break your fighters and have that discussion of, 
you know, performance and make weight. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, you, again, you, you hit the nail on the head. You see that all the time. And, and when you're coming in, you know, with a guy, a lot of times, especially if they're winning because they, they get used to, you know, the same thing that I was having these bad weight cuts and I was winning. Um, and a lot of them, they don't want to change anything because if it's working, you know, why, why change it? Uh, but I like to kind of explain to the guys, you know, I, I, I don't try to tell them, Hey, well, you could have done a lot better. You know, you don't, you don't say that to a, a professional athlete, you know, and then a lot of times they listen I'm like, Hey, you know, let me, let me show you what this is actually doing to your body. You know, you won that fight, but let's talk about when you're 50, if you get there. Uh, and I kind of explain to them what they're doing to themselves, explain to them like, Hey, um, you know, your heart is about to give up. Your adrenals are about to give up. Let me tell you what your adrenals do for you. Um, you know, you start talking to these, uh, you know, these mid twenties, early 30 males about how their entire lives are going to change a decade down. They're going to start forgetting stuff They're, they're you know, they'll be lucky if they have a sex life, uh, things like that. They start to listen. Like, Oh, wow. Didn't know this was messing me up. Um, so at first, I just kind of show them what this is doing to them in, in the long run and really go into the details of that. Then we kind of bring them back down. Like, listen, there's a much easier way to do this. You don't have to suffer. You know, I promise we, we're going to make weight. We're going to do all the things we were doing as far as, you know, you're going to make weight. You're going to go in there. You're going to perform. But this weight cut thing doesn't have to suck. Um, once you just convince them that your way is going to make the process suck less, they're in. Um, you know, they because that, that's the thing. Fighters and athletes, a lot of times, they don't necessarily – they, they, they don't think of uh, things in terms of, you know, like, how's that, how's that going to actually help me in a fight? Because if they're winning, they're winning. So we just we try to make them uh, realize how much better they're just going to feel throughout the whole process. Then they go in there and they notice the difference. Then they're hooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it does, man. When you have a bad weight cut, it, it's doing things you don't even understand. Um, you know, and, and the whole thing is a lot of these fights, I, when I see one go into a third round, I can know, you know, I'll know immediately that guy had a really bad weight cut. And then it'll later come out that he had a bad weight cut. Well, yeah, of course, you know, it's, it's it, dehydrated. A weight cut is the process of dehydration. Um, that, that is how we do it. You know, we lose water, but it doesn't take much water loss to, to see a significant dip in performance. Um, and these guys, they're, they're getting far beyond their ability to rehydrate in that 24 hours. And a lot of them, in fact, they're, they're, they're not rehydrating. And the rehydration process is uh, it's crucial. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's more important than the actual making weight process. So we get these guys and, you know, we, we start teaching them all these different methods. And, you know, before they would, you know, lay on their back for days before the fights. And, and we've got guys, you know, walking around, you know, shadow boxing at weigh-ins. They, they feel great. Um, then they go out there for their fights. They, you know, they, they don't have cotton mouth or their cotton mouth, which, you know, is, is common for fighters uh, 24 hours later. They're, they're peeing clear. All these things just never happened before. And it's hard for them to believe because they just ate a whole lot more than they were. Um, you know, so they're coming into these fights fully recovered. They're, they're coming in, their bodies aren't, aren't fighting to recover at the same time. You know, you're, you're trying to get, you're trying to recover from really this, this stress and this, you know, bodily injury you just put yourself through in the weight cut and now I'm asking my body to, to perform at a high level to win this fight. Well, we've cut out all the uh, the crazy stress. We've cut out all the, the bodily harm we've done through the weight cut. So now all your body has to do is perform. We, you know, we've saved all of your energy. We've saved all of these uh, cellular processes for this one focus of of hurting the guy across the cage. Um, you know, and and that's where you see a big difference. You know, I, you see it all the time, and even in the UFC, these guys going in. Um, that had a bad weight cut. They just do not perform like they should. Their body's trying to heal them from this this sickness, this horrible week. 
Um, you know, and, and the body's job is not to make you win. Like it, that's, that's not what your body's designed for. Your body's designed to stay alive. So if you're giving it two choices, uh, stay alive, win this fight, it's going to choose stay alive. And it's going to put, you know, much more effort into that than it is your, you know, your success. I uh, mean, it cares about you far beyond, uh, you know, so, paycheck. So all these commissions now are, uh, you know, they're banning IVs. Do you think yeah. that's going to change the uh, weight cutting culture? Yeah. They're, they're banning, they're banning IVs, IVs post weighing because they're using USADA, right? Is it USADA or WADA, one of the two? Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, different commissions across the world. But the, yeah. the, the thing is, what's the theory behind cutting a. Uh, uh, um, like why, like USADA doesn't allow people to use. Yeah, they won't let them use IVs post weigh and rehydrate. It's more of it's part of the PED witch hunt mm-hmm. um, because you can cloud uh, uh, yeah. a performance drug test. You can cloud a drug test for PEDs with IVs. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of guys in the sport. I know oh, guys the idea are, that, hey, I'm going to dehydrate and then all of a sudden is, I'm going to flush all this fluid. Yeah. It's going to basically dilute it and like, re- reduce specific gravity. Yes. You know what? Um, uh, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> the, yeah. The, uh, the, like, the witch hunt for the drug stuff. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, and I understand why they do yeah. it. It's this idea of, like, you know, you got to keep the efficacy of the sport and this. But the problem is, is like, you know, like at what lengths are you going to yes. do it? I mean, it, and it's like, it, it's got to the point where it's like, you know, you're just so fucking over the top with it, you know? But I'm saying like his weight yeah. cutting sounds like more healthy than what well, most yes. people do. Well, so it's not going to be and, a change. And, and, and it's everybody going to have what he does. Most high level athletes are uh, very polarizing, like extreme people. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like you, you, you fucking have to be extreme. You have to be somewhat reckless to be able to basically get out and do this, this job. So I think what Tyler's really talking about is this idea of like, instead of you doing nothing up until the last week and then trying to cut it, like let's start it a little bit earlier and like actually like have a goal and like, Hey, we got to be here and here. And actually he's bringing like a, a thinking man's kind of don't broadcast the secrets. I mean, I'm not telling, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving the secrets out, but I think like what's really refreshing about Tyler is, um, you know, having been a high-level athlete and a somewhat cerebral guy, I think he's the perfect guy to really look at this thing and be like, all right, here's the problem. This is how we do it smart. And uh, instead of just, like, bringing another, uh, you know, type A, fucking reckless, uh, fucking extreme individual in. Yeah, just like, cut hey, a pinky off. I'll fucking do this with you. You know what? We'll <laughs> we'll get, like, 100 pounds of Epsom salt, a hot bath, <laughs> and uh, some trash bags, and a fucking aerodyne, and we'll get 100 pounds off you in 20 Yeah, you're minutes. one pinky over, we're going to have to fucking get one off. Yeah, you know what? We might have to fucking trim your foreskin. I don't know. You oh, might man. oh, man. I've seen some crazy... I've seen some crazy... I'm sure there's dudes that are, like, shaving their body, thinking, oh, like, hey, dude, you know, this fucking butt hair I have might weigh a fucking ounce. So, I mean, it's it's really, you know, and I think what's really refreshing and to know Tyler a little bit is, um, you know, this idea of being a bit of a thinking man and really kind of approaching this from uh, a non-crazy person, um, you know, deal, which is well, really... It's, it's counterculture. It's, it's kind of challenging the idea that th- is this really the best way to fucking accomplish this? Well, right? You know, and, and we, we see it in the training and I think, um, you know, we get hit up and we get hit up recently by guys like of all the programs and all everything I've seen out there, you guys are the least non-crazy people we've come across. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all these, you know, you know, hey, look at me. I, yeah, just like, hey, you know what? I, I take a gram of test a week, but like, hey, if you follow this training, you'll totally look like me. And you're like, dude, come on, dude. Like, let's fucking, let's be serious with this shit. That was sarcasm, guys. No yeah, I'm sarcasm. I mean, yeah. It, they it, could, someone's going to soundbite that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good thing this isn't live then. You'll probably cut that shit out. 
uh, or bleeping. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, and I think what, what Tyler's really talking about is this idea of like, let's actually take a, a thinking man's approach and like, you know, I mean, they call boxing sweet science for a long time. And what do they call fucking MMA? Fucking ground and pound. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but they, but guys, you take extreme personalities that are like, when you, dev- I mean, they always laugh. Like when you divide, devise, like when they talk about your style and your style is ground and pound, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really Luke Summers' style at the bar when he went out when he was single. Uh, you know, go out and have a couple of drinks, we're going to ground and pound. You know what that means? I'm going to drink a lot. I was more like, of a rope and dope guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were a little more sweet science, a little rope and dope, a little slide, a little back. And then at, at the end, I'd take uh, Well, you, I, I like to call that dirty boxing. <laughs> you know, that's another style. Which uh, to me, uh, dude, I, I, call it I, I used dance. to love watching the dirty boxing. But I could bring him in, and you know, all, all, all you know, let me fight up. And there was a little bit of rope a dope, a little up against the cage. So let me beat your body up without taking so, so many blows. So circling back, I guess, does this uh, back to what Fisher was saying? Uh, is it, this is going to affect a lot of yes. people's strategy. It's right? going to be really bad, actually. Um, but how are we going to pop people for IVs? They, I, I've seen a few different ways they're going to test for plastic metabolites, which when you start looking at that online, it's, 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 it's really in depth. Like they're, they're putting a lot of effort to stop this. You know, it's, it's, it's very silly. And here's, this is my, I, I'm I, very I, much against it. I think it's fucking ridiculous. Like, I'm very much like, against it. What if a guy gets sick and has diarrhea yes. or has some problems? Well, I mean, you can give fluids and help them. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been sick and I got an IV. Yeah. And here's the, here's the problem though. What we'd said, a lot of guys, they're, they're stuck in their ways. If you've always done an IV, how many fighters, you know, you're, you know, it could be great for business for me because a lot of my guys don't, you know, we don't prefer IVs. I've had guys that have used them because they, they swear they feel better, but we get them down to, you know, half of what they were, were using. Then we eventually wean them. We don't use them. Um, so you've got these guys that they've always cut weight. They cut weight wrong. They don't know how to rehydrate, but they do an IV. So now you're taking out their only means of rehydration what are they going to do well dehydration doesn't just affect performance it, you know it's a it, long-term health you're going to start seeing guys with uh, more brain damage concussion because you start getting that fluid around your brain you start pulling from that you're going to see a lot more of that happen and i just think that that's so that's silly man these these commissions and stuff are in place to keep fighters healthy in fact that's that's really should be the goal of you know these water and things like that they're they're not there to, to ban this this evil drug because they're afraid that someone might might be faster. They're there because you know supposedly these drugs are dangerous. You know we care about the athletes; these are dangerous. Well, it is is the idea more <laughs> too? And I, I always think about it. they are kind of dangerous in a way because uh, you give some guy like I mean if you put two equal fighters and one guy is uh, you know fucking on the high octane, the yeah. other guy isn't. I mean, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's a potential for stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that was in the NFL why they got so twisted yeah. on the stuff early because all of a sudden they got these, you know, like, you know, 400 pound gorillas that's out there slaying each other. And uh, I think they had to do something. But I, uh, I think the fight game, it's, it's so uh, like, like there's a culture, you know, like you said, these white, these, the weight cuts, like I just figured like most guys want to fight bigger. So you got to cut weight. Yes. It's like every guy that wants to go power lift, maybe, you know, if you're 300 pounds, you either are 330 cut into 308 or you're 300 cut to 275. And it's like, because, you know, all of a sudden you rehydrate, you get back. But, you know, if you cut too much weight and you do it poorly, then all of a sudden you kind of lose a lot of your body's ability. So, I mean, I'm, yes. I, I, I kind of go back and forth yeah. on that stuff. And sometimes it's a cutting weight can be an advantage or a disadvantage. If you do it right, it's an advantage over your point. If you do it wrong, it's, it's a total disadvantage. 
But you know what? The, the IV thing, I, I hate it. It's not going to hurt or affect my guys. We don't we don't do IVs. We we hydrate. You know, we we get we get digestive enzymes back into the body, so the body can actually use the food that we're putting into it. Uh, we rehydrate correctly. We actually have a process we go through. Um, so it's not going to affect affect my guys, but it will affect the sport. And, you know, and I, I care a lot about sport. So, you know, that, that it does bother me, and I hope they rethink it. Yeah, I think their initial goal was to try to get guys to walk around closer to the fight. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But, yeah, it's not either way, it gets competition. You're going to cut weight. Yeah, you always want to be bigger. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's something that uh, has always been in the wrestling community. Yeah. Like, like the saunas, I remember even in high school, the guys that would wrestle were always, like, with the uh, with the track suits, jumping ropes, sauna stuff, they'd be in there uh, uh, like in the wrestling room, like like they, you know turning on space heaters, and like everybody cut weight is almost like this, well, you know practice. It was, yeah, it was just it's just what you it's, do. But I uh, you know I, I don't ever remember really that in boxing. I mean, I'm sure there are guys it, are, but it, it's not it, really it's that thing. Like if you're uh, you know like all of those guys fight pretty close. I mean, it's like um, bodybuilding too. I mean, you know, you see these guys balloon up to, you know, 300 pounds in the off season and then they compete at two something. But, you know, you remember um, Arnold and, and Franco and those guys, they were like, no, we never do that. We're actually the, the heaviest we are is actually when we step on stage because that's our best looking condition. So I always wondered like those guys had kind of a different mentality. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's weird, man. And <laughs> Some of the things we've seen, you know, not, not to get off track, but just to give you some. Well, that's what we do some, best. Uh, to get off yeah, track. this is uh, you talking about what guys have done to make weight. It's it's absurd, and there's certain levels when you get when you're stopping. This is a, this is a wrestling story. When a dude says, "I, I gotta stop my McDonald's. I don't think I'm gonna make weight. Why are we stopping my McDonald's? This makes no sense." Uh, he comes out. He spends like a few minutes at McDonald's. We let him. Like, okay, well, maybe he just gave up. He just he gave up. He's hit McDonald's. Like, screw it. I'm done. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll play football. Well, he comes back and goes, right, I think I'm good. What happened? He goes, I don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Goes in, dude makes weight. He wasn't making weight when we got in the van. Wasn't making weight when we got in McDonald's. We come back out, this guy makes weight. What did you do? He goes, well, I went and I asked for a bottle of Dasani. So I got a bottle of Dasani. He said, I poured a little bit of it out and then I asked for salt. He said, I got salt. I put salt. I put salt in the bottle of Dasani, shook that up, you know, Bend over, bent over, and gave myself an enema. Oh, like, like, how many steps into that did you have to get? Like, there's no part of that that, that feels like a good idea. So, <laughs> so, 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 he shoved, so he shoved the Dasani up his ass, Pumped. and and, and uh, oh yeah, he squeezed it in, so the salty water ended up yeah. fucking making him fucking shit himself, and, he, and, and he just yeah, cleansed or, himself. Uh, yeah, what, what, an enema. Yeah, uh, yeah that probably would have been enema. the first time he did that. Yeah, and that's that's. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. You know, we, we start don't. to think we're like, well, this guy's been making weight all this time. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> a great way to shed some pounds this for a really, match. This is really cigarettes and cocaine that. and fucking grilled cheese sandwiches, bro. Yeah, I've, I've seen guys like you said. I've seen guys shave their whole body. I've seen idiots standing on their head. That's actually a big thing. They feel like if you stand on your head. The way the blood, when the blood goes to your head, you're going to weigh lighter. Never mind the fact that blood's not going anywhere. It's yeah. still in your body. Like, I don't know if they expect it to, like, like come out of their nose, you know, which if that happens, you're probably not fighting. Um, <laughs> and these, these techniques still happen. I mean, I, I, I promise it is absolutely You can certain. go back uh, and watch one of the, uh, the pillars of power athlete cinema vision quest it's one of the best mm-hmm. yeah, you got loud and swing cutting weight i mean as we're talking about this i'm like you know he's, he's getting nosebleeds and the shoots like you gotta make weight he's like yeah i'm gonna make weight like that's like a like that's 
it, it, it's almost like a rite of passage. It's part of the sport. Like uh, there's this idea that like, you know, if, you know, like, like you said, like you, um, you know, you showed up to the ultimate fighter and you were close to, you know, underweight and like, uh, you know, those guys that were bigger look kind of like with you and be like, what do you mean? This guy doesn't have to cut weight. Everybody should cut weight. Yeah. You should probably cut weight even though you don't have to cut weight. Even if you don't have to. I mean, it's just a, it's a there's people who have died. Um, you can't, you don't know their names. It's, it's very quickly, you know, swept under the rug, but it's going to happen. I mean, I fully believe that if something's not done, it's going to happen at a high level and you're not going to be able to shove that under the rug. It's not going to be something you think if, if, you. you think if they made the weigh-ins closer to the fight, like for example, if, uh, if it was like an hour before guys would still, fucking uh, go yeah, oh, I think you're, I think all you're doing by doing that is preventing rehydration. So I think you're going to have to, uh, I mean, there's a few things, you know, you know, obviously like I said that my, my business with, with fighters exists because, you know, there are fighters who, you know, are intelligent enough to say, Hey, I, I don't know this. I'm a, I don't know how to hit people. I'm going to outsource this. And, you know, I always, I'm a big fan of that outsource something. Um, you know, you always outsource to someone better than you. So there's fighters that are doing that, but there's a lot of fighters who just set, set in their ways. So, Promotions might have to start, you know, hiring guys to go through and oversee all these. You know, it's just I don't think there's any real right way. I think it's just one of those those, those things. It's a, it's a greedy sport, man. Everybody wants to say this isn't a this isn't a violent sport. This isn't a yeah, it is. You're you're getting a you're getting a cage half naked and beating each other half to death. It's a bunch of greedy, grimy people. I mean, it, that's just the sport. You realize that uh, when you go back and we talked with Stephen G. Miller, who's our uh, buddy. Um, it's boxing and really wrestling and this pugilist is like one was the original uh, you know one of the original olympic sports i mean yeah. if not the like the big separator from it i mean you know those guys like uh, you know like there's all you know like i remember in college there'd be these uh, you know different bases and different shots they would show and like boxing being like i think it was maybe there was four or six sports it was like 100 meter dash fight I and mean, they had all these wrestling but there was boxing and there was wrestling i mean these are these are as, as primal a sport as you can ever do. And I think like what uh, part of the reason the UFC has had such great success is really because boxing became such a fucking joke. And like having grown up a boxing fan and I remember seeing like Sugar Ray Leonard and, uh, you know, uh, Marvelous, Mar or Marvelous, Mar Marvelous Marvin Hagler and just like uh, like the fights that I remember seeing in, in like the 80s when I was a kid were like what boxing was to yeah. me. And now you have this fucking you know bullshit with a uh, floyd mayweather where he gets 300 million dollars to basically never get hit and you know he talks about being the best fighter ever who fucking never uh, gets in and you know i mean basically dances yeah, with people to the end he's the best fighter on kanye west is the, the best <laughs> well he just can self-proclaim but i mean the guy makes 300 million i mean yeah, and, uh you know and i think like the other thing which has really killed boxing is there has not been a legitimate watchable heavyweight that I would pay for a, uh, a fucking pay-per-view. I mean, like the Klitschko brothers, I mean, they are just not that exciting. Um, you know, like there hasn't been like, I, I, I remember like as a kid, the excitement of seeing Tyson go play, like I remember, or uh, go fight. And I remember my dad, like having it on the TV. Yeah. I, I remember all of our neighbors, like they're like watching people holding drinks, nobody talking and just being like, Oh my God. I mean, it was so electrifying yeah. to watch him come out and fight and even Holyfield. Like, uh, like to me that like, that was a golden age. And now like what's still boxing is they don't have a legitimate, legitimate type of fighter. Well, well here's the thing. I wrote, I wrote uh, a big article on this in school and you know, the, the professor didn't really appreciate it, but it's true. People love violence and boxing is no longer violent. It's a sport. They made it too much of an art. 
People love that. People, NASCAR's boring. It's left-hand turns. Wrecking is awesome. Uh, we, uh, you know, we were driving yesterday, and, and we spent, you know, five minutes watching videos of dudes wrecking their nuts on a bicycle. It's hilarious. <laughs> like, now, we don't want that to happen to us, but it's hilarious because it's happened to someone else. Never back these. But we love uh, our culture. We love that. Uh, we love what well, we have forever. I mean, dude, gladiators. Look, look, gladiators, look, look at the Roman mob. I mean, the yeah. mob. You know, I mean, you can go back and like, you know, they entertain the mob with death. I mean, it, you know, like, you know, you see the movie Gladiator and you look at some of the stuff and you don't really like understand until you actually read the original text of like the gladiators and like the original fucking accounts of how many people died in a single day. Yeah. And then like they, the, the gladiators would go fight and they would just feed Christians to the lions for, for fucking people just to see bloodlust. Yeah, so just, I mean, but, but like that type of, of, you know, bloodlust, I mean, it's the reason the NFL, you know, because people want to see big, strong dudes run as fast as they can and ram their yes. face. I mean, dude, like, so during the game, when we would have TV timeouts, our favorite thing to do was we would stand and we'd watch the crowd for all the fights. <laughs> and dudes were literally up there beating the dog shit out of each other because opposing fans wearing a different color or somebody says something. And we're out there and dudes are up there like, we're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like you guys paid to be here and you're like, the only reason you're mad at somebody is because they're wearing a posing jersey. Like, yeah. it just, it, it never really struck. But people mm-hmm. are inherently violent. There's blood loss yes. and you... You know, no matter how far you think that we've evolved and got away from that, and that's that J, uh, Jack London uh, poem, um, you know, Skulls of Our Enemy, one of my favorites, you know, talks about, like, no matter how far we get civilized, we're not that far from the person that was drinking the blood of their enemies from their fucking skull. Dang. And, like, I think yeah, something like the UFC, uh, you know, that brings that yeah, stuff yeah. up. I mean, people want to see a bit of that barbarism, and that's why, like, the UFC sells, and, you know, the, uh, um, what is it, the uh, the brothers, the... Uh, the guys that own it, the Fertitas. Yeah, the Fertitas brothers have done a great job of basically being the mob of this that. thing yeah. where, like, you know, yeah. there's no union for you guys. I mean, you bring these guys in, you know, you fucking fight here, you fight here. If you do anything, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Go fight for, for strike force or something. Yeah. And, so, uh, you know, they bring these guys in and it's, um, I mean, there's a reason why. And, and what's even more amazing to me now is the the hottest fighter in the UFC and they're their biggest earners Ronda Rousey chick yeah I mean uh, like you want to talk about I mean it, you know like if you had told me five years ago that the that the biggest star in in one of the world in, in MMA is a, is a female MMA fighter I wouldn't believe you but like seeing it I'm like dude she's exciting to watch and she rocks people and so we, uh, we all too we all, like the, the whole spectator base that you're talking about with the to see the barbarians bash each other we all tune in and get to see the glory you know the 10 minutes of just yeah. uh the brawl. And what what I've often wondered is, after a fight like that, let's say, um, or like after after your your bout in the Ultimate Fighter, how what is the what is the recovery process like? Oh, like what is the next day like? Then the next week? Then the next? Day. Well, you you obviously know like so those of you guys have ever seen the thirty for thirty where they go and they follow or the twenty four hours leading up to the fight where they follow the fighters for boxing. One of my like I enjoy watching that more than the fight. Yeah, but oh, they yeah. never show the twenty four hours after yeah. the fight because it's like and like like just like the Ultimate Fighter, right? They show everything and then what, what do they show after like the winner, like whatever yeah. everybody happens? Because I mean, really, like you know, the only the, the only image we've ever got was uh, I think it was Rocky where they're like in the hospital. They're both like in the hospital room, like fucked up, ready to try to fight each other again. It's fairly accurate though. I mean, it, it, the things it's. Yeah, I've had fights that I want. There's, there's, there's jokes. I'm seven and one professionally. The only time I've ever 
not been hurt in a fight was well my, my actual my last fight went really well um but the one that i lost you know i didn't i look great um i'm one of these guys i get hurt every time that's what i said man it's really a lose lose it's very rare that you go in there and and you you don't come out with some form of injury. I've had fights that I was on crutches for a week after that I won. You know, I won, but I'm on crutches. Uh, two fights ago, I, I took a knee to the mouth. Um, I had a two-inch through-and-through hole in my bottom lip and broke, uh, you know, broke my palate plus my tooth. I got a tooth knocked out. I won this fight in a minute and a half. Um, so, you know, it's like, yeah, I win. And now I can't enjoy any of those foods that I wanted to eat because I can't eat. Um, you know, so it, those are the, it's, uh, that's, that, those are the times you start looking at the sport. You're like, wow, this is, this is weird that we do this. Um, because even when you win, you, you lose, your body loses some way, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you've had something go wrong. And, and that's the things that, uh, you know, I, I've had times I couldn't walk for days. Um, when you cut weight wrong, you're messed up for weeks after. I'm saying there, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for guys that have a bad weight cut to not use the bathroom for days because um, their body's hoarding all that. And they get, you know, I've heard people having to go to the hospital for days after because their body's just so engorged with fluids. They're just so bloated and everything. They actually start to have problems with that. Um, it's, it's, it's miserable. It's, it's really not, you know, it's every now and then if you have a really good one, you might be back in the gym Monday to cheer on your buddies and like help them, especially if you got, you know, you're a good teammate, you got a buddy coming up that's getting ready to fight. Um, but usually, man, it takes a lot of recovery time. I mean, there's, there, you're, you know, even when you win, you lose, you're, you're beat yeah. up, something's broken. Like a month? Something's, uh, I've had those, you know, yeah. I've had months, but traditionally most guys, you know, take a week off. Yeah. Um, you know, and then a slow crawl back and then kind of get right back into it a little bit, you know, which a lot of guys, the thing is after that wake up, they binge eat for a week or two. And, you know, again, that's one of the things I, I try to get my guys away from because, you know, now they've introduced all this food in their body that they didn't eat during camp. And now they're going to go back to training on those foods and it's going to mess with their, you know, their, their, their yeah. rhythm gets off their everything's messed up. Uh, these elevated cortisol and they start training with that. So I try to even influence guys recovery. You know, you're not going to tell a guy who just fought and just made you know just made weight, fought and won. You're not going to tell him you can't enjoy food for a little bit. But you know, we try to rein them in as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't lend that. And I'd imagine, eat, but even stuff. even after like as it becomes a lifestyle, uh, you know, I think you look at a cheat day now. Uh, yeah. When I, I've been dialed in, r- relatively dialed in to know what the right foods are to eat. Like, I'm not fucking going to crush a cake. Like, yeah, I might get some steak, maybe a sandwich, like nothing too crazy. Yeah. But uh, oh, uh, you were eating up some of those cupcakes. Because uh, you, you guilted me into yeah. eating cupcakes. What was the first thing you said? I was like, got some cupcakes. I'm like, oh, well, it was your birthday. And I got to make sure you get you some cupcakes. And, and you're like, know. eat this cupcake. And I'm I didn't have like, any, one so bite. Sure you you pelican that cupcake now is what you're talking about. So that's I was like, okay, I'll eat four cupcakes. I'm well, like, this one. Tyler, I know you got. I know you got to fly out of here pretty soon, yeah. too. And we're we're actually right about at that point. So, uh, I mean, awesome, awesome podcast. Thanks for coming to to spend some time with us. It was it was great, and you know, hopefully, we work together in the future. So, but for our listeners, if they want to get in touch with you, or if they think they can use your services, where do they go? What do they need to know? Um, yeah, man, I, a few different ways. Uh, you can actually go to themeleeway.com. It's a website. Uh, you know, it's a fairly new website we're still working on. But uh, the then M E L E E way.com um that's probably the best way to reach me forms you can fill out if you actually want to you know inquire about uh, my services you know i do do consult consultation services i do diet plans mm-hmm. um things like that that's an excellent way to reach me um i own a crossfit gym in tennessee if anybody's ever in the tennessee area 
um, you know, stop by. We've got an amazing facility. It's 16,000 square foot facility. Uh, perfect if you're following, uh, you know, the, the field strong or any of those things. Um, you know, it's all turfed. We have sleds, slant balls. We literally have everything you need, um, you know, for that. Um, those are the best ways to get in touch with me. And, and hopefully it, it'll, it'll become more and more easy because I, I plan on, you know, blowing, uh, blowing this industry out of the water. So, yeah, and I think you got it because uh, what we've Tyler showed us a ton of uh, what he's been doing with his clients and that's everybody from, you know, the couch potato who's just starting to get active to uh, these, these fighters and everybody has similar results, which is increased performance and increased aesthetics. Yep. Like it's a no brainer. So yeah, when you perform well, you look well. That's yeah. just always the function, man. That's, yep. that's one of the, one of the, the staple taglines around here, but uh, Tex, did you have any other questions for, for Tyler? No, I'll just say much respect for any fighter. Uh, definitely fighting boxing is one of the examples I use at our football seminar in terms of testing your training. You either win or you lose. So it's uh, just much respect for the small margin of error and don't just kick an ass. No, appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, another good show in the books, man. Th- again, thanks, Tyler, and safe travels, and we'll see you soon, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. everyone for letting me guest host this episode of power athlete radio i strongly urge you to purchase and install any software offered by skynet with it we can all do great things i hope to speak to you again in the near future this is chauncey signing off for power athlete radio until next time bye